The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. I'm new to the faith, and I completely cut out FM radio. I'm just hooked on Relevant Radio. I was afflicted with drug addiction for 10 years, but I've been sober now for seven. I was also afflicted with sex addiction. I've been sober from pornography for 146 days. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Well, thanks for joining me. It's great to be here with you today. If you're just getting plugged in, I want to talk a little bit about addiction today. And I don't think there is a family that addiction does not somehow touch, right? It could be directly. It might be your grandchild, your niece, your nephew. It could be your sibling. It could be your aunt, your uncle. I don't know what the dynamic of your relationship is, but every family's, uh, I think, touched by it in some way. You know, I, I knew what it was like. My father had a compulsive personality. He loved to gamble. And he also, when he overcame his addiction to gambling, traded it for another one. And that was alcoholism until God intervened and liberated him. I was reading some stats this morning just about where we are as a, as a country, the National Survey on Drug Use and, and Health. They asked people about their drug and alcohol and tobacco use just in the previous month. So it provided kind of a snapshot of how many people are using them and to what extent. And the latest one we have is about a year or two ago. It showed 60 million people, okay, six zero, 60 million people had binged on their drinking in the previous month. That's stunning. We're, what, a population of 330 million, 340 million Americans? So that's a pretty big number. Also showed 52 million people had used marijuana. And we've talked about the increase of that just the other day. Um, the survey also asked to assess whether or not people were abusing alcohol and drugs. And what they found was astounding. More than 46 million people from the ages of 12 and up are having problems with drugs or alcohol or both. That's that's roughly 14% of the population. So it just goes to show we have a very serious problem in the country with substance abuse. And I also think outside of the oh the chemical dependence that comes from it, I, I think there's a spiritual element to it as well. And, and I really believe if you want true freedom and liberty from it, this is Drew Mariani's opinion, nobody else's. We'll talk in a moment to two guests who can speak to this probably far more eloquently than I can. I think you need God. I think you certainly need the sacraments. I think you need those spiritual weapons that we have. If you live with somebody who's an alcoholic, you almost feel like there's a demon in that bottle, right? And you know what I'm talking about. If, you're, if you've got somebody with an addiction, no matter what you do, you feel powerless against it. But God is infinitely more powerful than addiction, infinitely more powerful than the evil one. And that includes other addictions too. We're not just talking alcohol and, and, and drugs. Pornography is rampant today. It is a, it's a poison to relationships and to marriages and to one's spiritual life. And a lot of people can lose hope because of their addictions. Uh, there's a new program out. I want to get you plugged into it. That's why you listen to me, I hope. Try to give you a look at life you won't find anywhere else and give you uh, resources and perspectives. And I want to hear from you today, too. So feel free to join the conversation if you're going through this. The number is 888-914-9149. There's a program called Catholic in Recovery. And Father Charlie Becker, who's been a great contributor to this program over the years on a myriad of topics, uh, joins me today. He's actually in studio with me today, along with Joanne Ranallo. And it's great to have you both here. Thanks so much for making the trip to the studio. 
Thanks to be. It's good good to be with you, Drew, for sure. Yes, I know. Yes. I know you know those numbers better than me, right? I, I when I saw those numbers today, I said, "Well, how bad is it?" Because I, I dealt with the uh, increase in recreational marijuana the other day on the program, or the day before, sometime this week, and yeah. we looked at its impact and, and what it's doing with psychosis. They're finding a tremendous rise in psychosis amongst young adults uh, that are using this, uh, along with a lot of things. So people were divided over it. A lot of people think, "Hey, it's fine," and I've had phone calls from both sides. What are you saying? I mean, you what's know, going on right now in the country? Not just marijuana, but just in terms of addiction. Yeah, I mean, in the old days, I, I worked a little bit in the field in the '70s. I mean, uh, but there was always a, a statistic that said one in ten drinkers is an alcoholic. Wow. Now, not everybody's a drinker, and uh, but I re I remember um, uh, when I was trying to evaluate my own drinking back then after high school, beginning in high school, but mostly in college. And uh, having come from alcoholism in my own family, my father was uh, able to uh, get a ha ha handle on it about my sophomore year in high school. But they would say one in 10 drinkers were an alcoholic. So when I was sitting at the bar, I'd count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then I would skip over me, eight, nine, 10. But there were <laughs> just to uh, deal with that, that uh, alibi and rationalizations and, and whatnot. But today it's even, I'm sure, exacerbated even more so because of the, the the drug factor too now, you know, and, and the legalization of marijuana doesn't help. Um, so our, our young people, uh, especially I think, you know, I don't have any statistics to show this, just observing the culture. Um, so many kids are, are just pulled into the into the uh, the internet and, and things of this sort that that's creating a, um, a distance and just normal relationships growing up, just normal socialization in a lot of ways, I don't think is happening. And it, it can be, a, I would think, uh, um, you know, a tendency to, to find um, solace in some kind of an escape, whether it be alcohol, drugs, or, you know, pornography, like you mentioned, and all kinds of other various things, uh, uh, gambling, et cetera, right? What do you think? Anything on Joy? I mean, coming from the age of... Joey, move a little closer to your mic, if you could, if you don't mind. Yeah. Thanks. Or you can pull towards you. Either okay, way, yeah, that'll be um, great. Thanks. Coming from the age of sex, drugs, and rock and roll in the 70s, um, I was into the drug scene big time. And I think I saw a special on PBS where marijuana back in the 70s was not as powerful as it is today. They have developed it through the years of growing it, of making it more powerful and more addictive. And um, to me, it's just a red flag. You're taking something to alter your mood. And uh, it doesn't mean a difference if it's marijuana, alcohol, cocaine, meth, heroin. It's addictive. Bottom line to me, it's addictive. So, Joanne, before we start, you used to hang out with the Eagles. Am I, am I remembering that correctly? Yes, the Eagles <laughs> and Joe Walsh, the Eagles, um, John Denver, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, and Aspen, Colorado. So you partied with all those guys? Party with all those guys. That's really interesting. So how did you get out of that? Buffett. That... Oh, yeah, Jimmy Buffett. God Jimmy Buffett? soul. So, you know, that was the age of, of, of you know, well, a lot of partying, I'm sure. You know, a lot Definitely. of drinking, a lot Definitely. of marijuana, probably some other drugs as well. So right, right. It was a definite, it was a part of the culture, actually, at That's, the time. It so was. You it survived was. it. Congratulations. I survived. Thank you. Thank you. Well, when I moved from Aspen, I thought enough is enough. I moved to Chicago and got a job in corporate world, but I found out the drugs were just as yeah. powerful. And well, addictive in the corporate world as they were in yeah. the music world. Yeah. 
Well, they're saying today that that uh, marijuana, we spoke about it a little bit earlier in the week, the THC level, the active ingredient that gets you high, um, you know, when you were probably smoking, it was was pretty low. Was. I don't know, 10, 20%. I don't know what the numbers were yeah. then. Today, it's 80 to 100%. Right. Uh, you can get 100%. I mean, but it, average 80, 80, 90%. So, you know, you get pretty right. high pretty quick. Right, right, right. So. And it was, I'm going to say it, it was Medjugorje that brought me back to, really? I did a pilgrimage in 1989 and that started my uh, recovery. So you were doing, you were still in kind of that lifestyle. So it was our lady. I huh? was partying with the Chicago bears back in the eighties. <laughs> oh, I love it. That, that'd be, you got some stories to share. Probably not for the microphone here. We'll have to do that later. All right. I want to hear those details. I always put my hand over my ears and go, la, 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 yeah, right. I don't, I don't want to hear this. Well, story. Father, just to, to give some perspective for the listeners, too, it's like, um, you're not shiny clean either. I'll no. throw that out. No. You, um, Thank you, you, Drew. You like that? You like that? Yeah, They're like both that. friends, so I could talk to them like that. Father, uh, Father's a great story, though, because he also struggled with alcohol, right? And, and you were able to rise above this, too, because the culture... Of your time too. I mean, a lot of people. That's that was it. You know? you know what was what was kind of special in helping me figure it all out because that's the hardest thing is to admit it and to to recognize it. And uh, having grown up in it, I mean, I, I was blessed to grow up in Alatine. I think when we had struggle and struggle struggles in my family, it was recommended by uh, the pastor of our home uh, home parish uh, for my mom to try Alanon first before divorce, yeah. which was kind of ominous. I mean, I was, I was a little nervous of all of that. And so she did. She checked that out and encouraged me to try Alateen at like 12 or 13. So I all through high school, every Wednesday night at the at the Methodist church, actually in the basement, we would have our <clears throat> our meetings, our 12-step meetings. And uh, um, the, uh, the addicted alcoholics were in one room, probably about 50 guys. And the Al-Anon, the, 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 the spouses were in another room, wow. and us kids were 50 and a kids. And each room, of course, was smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee. Oh, yeah. So even the kids were all smoking wow. cigarettes. We all had our own ashtray. The basement of that Methodist church was just filled with smoke, you know. But it, it was the discussions, though, that would happen and the support that would happen. And so all through high school, I, I felt there was more of a spiritual uh, growth and, and and awareness of God's presence in those relationships, even more than in church. I mean, we were we were your weekend Catholic going to church on Sunday back then in the seventies. Most families still went to church on Sunday. That's true. But but as far as it making any difference or being an of any integrative value, it was the twelve step program that that helped integrate God in some kind of a. Uh, a program of recovery or healing um, through the discussions and, and conversations that happen in those meetings. And so I've always, uh, you know, uh, tried to see the foundation of what works in in healing and recovery is the old adage in the 12-step program that says, I'm sober today by the grace of God and the fellowship of this program. And it, those two principles seem to me to be the thing that works in any various addiction uh area. Uh, grace of God, which is prayer, huh? Prayer, meditation, grace of God, and and um, and fellowship. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, Joanne and I have been close with uh, the community, Chinacolo community. Um, that's in a, a group out of Italy. Uh, there's some 75 houses of, uh, of, uh, of recovery, mostly addictions, um, though it could be other issues too. But, uh, 
um, in in their program, obviously it's, it's not even a program per se, it's community life, a Christian Catholic community. And Bishop Baker was the one who says, you know, here we are as Catholics and we have the, these great gifts at our disposal of the sacraments and the sacrament, and we're not using them enough in overcoming addictions. Um, the sacraments are, are not being utilized enough. And so when he was struggling to figure out how to deal with um, the addicts down in St. Augustine, Florida, at nighttime, they'd all come out in the tourist district down there at night and hang out on the park benches after all the shops closed. And he was so disheartened by our youth. And this was back in the um, nine, early 90s, late, or late 80s, early 90s. And he went on sabbatical to Italy and uh, was talking about his concern of the young people in Florida in his parish. He was the rector of the cathedral in St. Augustine at the time. Somebody said, oh, you have to meet Mother Elvira. She has started a community up in northern Italy, and there's a number of them around Italy. And so he did. He met with her and was uh, convinced to bring it to the United States. And so that was the uh, yep. that was the beginning of of seeing a little bit of a, a better bridge of using our, our Catholic sacraments as well as the fellowship that is necessary. Um, because I I'm convinced, you know, like mm-hmm. Saint James says in the New Testament, he says, "Confess your sins to one another that you can find healing." Huh? So. Yeah, you confess to a priest for the forgiveness of sins, but to find healing, especially in addictions that are hard to break, we we need prayer, the grace of God. But you can't just sit in front of that blessed sacrament and pray it away. You know, just that's not enough. You you need to get involved with some other like-minded people who are struggling with it, and in the conversation, in the discussion, uh, plus the grace of God, then we have uh, you know some kind of means to overcome yeah. it. Yeah, sometimes you need to. Well, they say sunlight's the greatest disinfectant, right? You got to shine light on the addiction. A lot of people try to keep it private. My mother sure. tried to keep my father's private forever. Sure. You know, she didn't know. She didn't want anybody in church to know. Didn't want anybody. No, right. But once it comes out in the light, there's a freedom. Right. I know a, a, a young man, he's probably 29 years old, maybe 30, early 30, something like that. Um, he was exposed to pornography when he was 13 years old. And he was addicted to it. His family never knew about it for years. He just came out publicly and is telling friends and family and everybody. I think it's part of his treatment. So he's no longer hiding that, you know, in the shadows. And, and I think that's really important, not only to, as you say, confess your sins, we need to do it to a priest, but also to others to find the freedom that we need. But I also think, you know, the sacramental aspect of this is so critical. Yeah, because the confession of the sins, you know, is, yeah. is what uh, cleanses our soul. And and that has a an emotional and physical yeah. effect on us in our, our mind, our heart, our body. So the sacraments are a significant help. People can do it without the sacraments. Obviously, Protestants can get sober, but I mean, there's an added benefit of using the sacraments as well. Let me do this. I'll open the phones. If you are struggling right now with addiction, maybe it's somebody you love, your child, your spouse, your sibling, Um, you want some advice. Uh, Father and Joanne are here. They're part of a brand new uh, movement. I, and honestly, it's kind of new for me. I've known a lot of different movements. I know of the success Chinakala has had. Um, this is called Catholic in Recovery. Catholic in Recovery. Uh, feel free to join us. The number here is 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. The, the Catholic in Recovery uh, 
program um, is is more recent. I think maybe seven, what, eight years. Old. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we met the founder of the Scott Weeman. Actually, he's from Appleton, Wisconsin. Oh. Everything good's coming out of the Green of Bay area here. Okay, <laughs> good. home of Houdini, Appleton, Wisconsin. <laughs> so, um, so he he in his own uh, story that he tells in this book called Twelve Steps and the Sacraments, he goes on uh, first of all in his own story of his own recovery. Um, using 12-step models, but then also came into putting together the sacraments as part of the the recovery. So he's out of San Diego, uh, California, and this is taking off pretty pretty well throughout the country, right, Joanne? I mean, there's there's online meetings too, and they're for all different topics. It's so, not just alcohol, drugs, but it can be any kinds of general. How, how does it work? So I say I'm listening. I've got a loved one that's battling addiction. Right. Um, what makes this program different than others? Is, it, is okay. it having a really good success rate? Yeah, it seems to be. So it's called CIR, Catholic in Recovery, and you can just Google okay. that or check that out. And this is for everybody, too. I don't mean it's, to step on you, but I just want to say, even though the title's Catholic, which means right. universal. Right. Uh, right. My right. Protestant right. brothers and sisters and other sort of things yeah. for everybody. Right, right, right. Yeah. I think what it does is it helps keep, you know, uh, a respectful spirituality going because sometimes our culture is becoming less and less Christian. And so sometimes in other 12-step models, we may be seeing a, a diminished kind of common understanding of what, what spirituality is, authentic, holy Christian spirituality. That's getting kind of lost in our culture. 60 years ago, if people went to a 12-step meeting, everybody kind of knew who God was. But today we have a generation or two now that don't even know who God is. And what's coming in sometimes in the recovery models can be some weird new agey weird stuff or, and you know, it's God who brings the healing. It's not a new age God. That's not God. And so we can get pulled into other things or even atheism. I mean, you know, it's very difficult to get sober without the grace of God or healing in any various addiction. Yep. So this model of Catholic and recovery, certainly it's not just for Catholics. No, we have other people coming to the groups too, but they, they can meet in person or there's some also uh, online. just there's online, many online, Zoom, groups, many yeah. Zoom meetings too. So people can just check that out across the country. Also, let's grab a call or two. If you want to get in, 888-914-9149. June is in Oak Forest, Illinois. She's got a comment for you, Father. Hi, June. Hi, Father. <laughs> Father Charlie, it's been a long time. I haven't talked to you. Hi, June. Jim and June Pitts. Yes, yeah, sure. How are you and Joanne doing? Okay, yeah, fine. My mom was an alcoholic. Yeah, my mother was an alcoholic, and it destroyed our family, basically. Uh, my father was at the point of almost divorcing her, and he had got sick with the black lung and cancer, and he died before he actually made the decision to, to leave her. But after he died, the family was gone. It was destroyed. Yeah. And I'm seeing I'm seeing those kind of attitudes in my daughter now. And I don't know if she's having a problem with drugs or alcohol herself. And I don't know how to approach it. You know, that's a good question, Jim, because, you know, what we're discovering, too, in, in, in our little meeting, we have our, our little meeting here in North Lake at St. John Vianney on Saturday mornings. Um, uh, at 10 in the morning. But the the combination of uh, of the addicted person, which we were kind of meeting in separate meetings from those that was family and friends, that they all kind of wanted to meet together. And so now we're meeting together in one group. And uh, there's a lot of um, uh, healing that's happening because 
having grown up with it, maybe somebody doesn't become addicted, but having grown up with it and the effects of the addiction on people's lives uh, intergenerationally, I mean, it gets passed on. I, I remember this adage too from Alateen. They used to say, if you grew up in an alcoholic home, you're either going to marry one, become one, or both. Like, oh my gosh, it's not like a curse. You know, I'm like, is that true? And I used to think, well, even if it's not true, I hope it's not true. But if it is true, at 16, I remember asking God, God, please help me to recognize if I ever become one, to recognize it earlier in my life rather than later, because it's the hardest thing is to recognize it. It's the hardest thing to recognize the addiction, but it's also very difficult to recognize the codependent behaviors that we kind of subconsciously uh, take on in the way we deal with it so that when we start dating as young adults, we, we have all kinds of this weird, dysfunctional kinds of manipulative things that is going on that we, we picked up having protected ourselves in the unhealthy, dysfunctional homes in the, in the addicted family. So yes, your daughter, you know, it could be both addiction and or just the dysfunctional uh, behaviors that we we kind of pick up by osmosis, you know. So so she should pray about it and also be open to, you know, this program as well as others are counseling, addictive counselors. I usually recommend for people who get involved with counselors is that they should at least be 12-step counselors. They should be counselors who are open to the 12 steps because there's a God base to those steps versus other kinds of uh, uh, institutions in recovery that are are not so God-based. You know, I've heard kind of critically to be about the St. Gregory What's that St. Gregory Hospital out in Minnesota or whatever? St. Gregory Retreat Center. Yeah. You know, that's not uh, a Christian-based, Catholic-based thing. It sounds like it would be because it says St. Gregory in it, mm-hmm. but be very cautious about it because it's it's more of a scientific, quote-unquote, scientific approach, and it, it's leaving out some basic grace, sacramental kinds of things. Interesting. Yeah. All right. We'll go to Barbara, who is in Fort Myers, Florida. You can get in with Father Becker if you'd like to talk. We're talking addiction today. and. A brand new program that's out that is really having phenomenal success, helping people find freedom and healing. Barbara, thanks for waiting. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. I'm going to try to be quick, but I don't want to get nervous, so I talk like a whippoorwill. Uh, yes, I uh, am in, and I have okay. been. All right, thank you. Yes, I have. Uh, I am a child of an alcoholic, born, brought up, married. <laughs> Boy, does that fit the picture, honey. Mm. And unfortunately, I have two children, two, uh, one that has died, and um, another one that has lost its mind. Uh, two turned out okay, two, but they, have, they do have definitely qualities of um, the hurt, the pain, the disappointment. Yeah. Uh, so much that goes along with addiction to the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the best thing that saved me, so help me God, was the 12-step program. Uh, my daughter started at 14, and I started taking her to AA. And I continued to take her, but she never made it. God sent her home to die after after a long period of abuse. Yeah. And um, her body couldn't take it anymore. But when I prayed for her, uh, people don't realize it. Sometimes they don't make it. That's right. And sometimes they do die. And my daughter, unfortunately, uh, well, I don't know. I guess it was God's will because I prayed so long, so hard that when she begged me to come home, she came, she actually came home and died. Mm-hmm. So I guess mm-hmm. that was God's final gift to me that she no longer had to suffer on this earth. Well, but if it wasn't it. for AA and Alan, uh, oh, 
I'd be hanging myself. I wouldn't be here talking to you today. Sure, it's 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 a tremendous support. You know, it's a tremendous support. And uh, you know, I think too, in dealing with Chinacolo, Joanne and I have worked uh, kind of closely with them uh, the last twenty years or so. Uh, you know, not everybody makes it. You know, these are heroin addicts, many of them. And uh, if they go back out and they want to use or, or they where they think they left off, all of a sudden, and even in three years, it, it's much stronger. The fentanyl's interwoven in it. And heroin. Heroin instantly can kill them in the first <laughs> use. So, I mean, alcoholism, that ends up that way too, insanity or death. But with the drugs, it's just, it's faster and quicker uh, the, the threat that it could kill you. So alcohol, it'll kill you too, like you're, you're mentioning about your daughter. I mean, that is the effect of, of the illness. And I, I think people need to realize, you know, when, when people overdose, it doesn't necessarily mean suicide at all. It's just once you get pulled into the addiction, oh, if, if you, you don't know where it's going to take you. And uh, so the ultimate goal is to, to get to a place where you can avoid it, you know, to to arrest it so that uh, we're not involved with it. But once somebody takes a little bit of it, if you if you have a pension for the addiction, you're going to get pulled right back into it again, and it could kill you. Yeah, My guest today, Father Charlie Becker, along with Joanne Ranola. And Barbara, thank you for sharing so so beautifully. Oh, the only one thing, I, one thing I want yeah. to say is that these programs are anonymity. Yeah. No matter what program you go into, no one's going to tell No one tells you who you are your That's last right. name's anything. Never, right. ever, ever be afraid. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. And, that, and it's, it's very helpful because people can know that their conversations are, uh, are confidential and, and, uh, and, and it allows for a certain freedom to discuss life's difficulties, yeah. Yeah, so if you're struggling with an addiction, get help. Uh, honestly, maybe you're hearing our voice for a reason. We'll get you plugged into this program that Father Becker is involved with. And if you want to join us, love to hear from you. I have to take a short break, so it'll... Just be back in just a minute or two here, but good chance to get in right now at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our conversations, your questions and comments will continue when I return. Connected. Connected. Relevant Radio. You can support Relevant Radio in many ways. Joining a giving society, donating a vehicle you don't need anymore, and now donating a piece of land or other real estate. Donate now at relevantradio.com slash property. But people still loved me and prayed for me and cared for me even from a distance. I think they saw that I had a problem. Typically with addiction, the last person to know is the addict. And at 30 years old, after a good decade of real problems soul-searching because I had this, this addiction. You are not alone. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. That was a, uh, a priest from the Diocese of Chicago. His name is Father Ryan Brady, who um, man, told a riveting story of his own conversion. He battled alcohol. But, you know, God's grace, as I said, is more powerful than any addiction. And God liberated him. Now he's using that priest's former brokenness and his addiction to help others find freedom. And I just want to speak to you. If you have a loved one that is battling addiction, there is freedom. I can testify to it. I've seen the power of prayer. I've witnessed God's mercy. I've seen the intercession of the mother of God in this. I've seen how the sacraments can fortify and continue to allow 
that person to uh, to remain clean and sober. And I'm in studio today with two people who know that I think equally well. Father Charlie Becker, he had his own run in with alcohol at one point, and Joanne Rinaldo's here. She partied with rock stars and found a miraculous healing through the intercession of Our Lady over in a place called Medjugorje. And uh, Father, you and I were talking in a break. Joanne was as well about one other point you think is really important to to express to everyone. Then we'll grab a few phone calls. Okay. Yeah, Joanne was mentioning too, you know, that how significant confession was in her recovery. So maybe you can share a little bit about that, Joanne. I think for me, when I when I went to Medjugorje, I realized I had addictions. Of course, I started a 12-step program, but there was something missing. And there was, uh, I found out about community at Chinaclo through Medjugorje. I was drawn to them. And the thing that drew me was uh, Mother Elvira talked at the youth festival the first time I heard her talk, and she said, we are a community of sinners. And I learned through them and through Bishop Baker that how they use the sacraments in their walk. And, and to me, that's what's, that's what's missing. That was what was missing in my walk, and that's what I wanted in my walk. And that's why I love when we came upon the 12 steps, because not everybody can go to community to Chinacolo. Right. Not everybody can, you know. We came across the 12 steps in the sacraments and Catholic in recovery. I found it six years ago and I was like, gosh, we got to do something with this. Mm -hmm. This is awesome. This is what we need. Mm -hmm. For me, what keeps me straight is confession. I, I like the former yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk, talk, you know, because that, the devil's going to get in. He wants us addicts more than anything else, you know. So I go to confession as best I can every other week because it's the grace. Yeah, Bingo. Oh, yeah. That's Big it. Time. The grace from the sacraments help keep me straight. And I think we have to, you know, um, with it being January, everybody's talking about the dry month this month. I didn't. I didn't. It's a dry January. Dry January. Like, so after the holidays, after everybody parties and you do a lot of oh, drinking, please. eating, everybody says no more alcohol for a month. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, what does that say about our society? <laughs> the most important thing is alcohol and yeah. drugs and partying. Yeah. Let's get a clue, people. That's yeah. not what life is all about, you yeah. know. And uh, and so uh, you know we have to come and. And like so we have to realize we're powerless over this addiction, and we need help. Yeah. And we get that through fellowship and through the sacraments and meetings. So you know, just to put a little plug into for Chinacolo community, that's called that's Italian for cenacal, and cenacal was the the gathering of Mary and the apostles in the upper room, the the yeah. cenacal, yeah. and it comes from the the Latin cena. Uh, uh, table, the supper, last supper table. Okay, so that's where it comes from, Seneca, Chinacolo. And anybody interested in, uh, you know, that uh, community for help with anybody who they know is in serious straits with addictions is called www.hopereborn.org, hopereborn.org. And Catholic in Recovery is C-I-R, and you can check that out too. Yeah, well, when uh, you go on to the Chinacolo site, yeah. Hope Reborn, it'll tell you to enter. And each area has what they call a servant of hope you can yeah. contact, and they'll help you. Throughout the United States. Yeah. I'll, I'll personally testify to it because I know a very high-profile Catholic in this state, and I'll tell you all, not in the state, in this country, um, and you will know the person when I tell you the name, I'll tell you during a break, um, has a big family, like eight kids, right? And um, his kids went so out of control. All of them left to faith at one point in time, and one was dealing with drugs over and over again. And he finally said to the, the kid, after helping him over and over again, I'm done. The only way I'm going to help you is if you go to Chinacola, right? And the kid's like, ah, I don't want to go. So, But eventually he needed help. He was out in yeah. the street. He really hit rock bottom. And he's like, well, I'd rather be there than, you know, being hungry and, right. and, and on the cement. So yeah. he um, ended up going. He left. 
but then he went back. He spent a year there, radically converted, sure. totally free. That's yeah, awesome. I mean, the faith yeah. became part of yeah. his life. Yes. And then as a result, believe it or not, this guy told me recently, because I spoke to him not too long ago, he said that, uh, like, you know, out of those eight kids, like, most of them are back in the faith. So yeah. it's a suffering, you know, right. it's yeah. a cross. And, you right. know, Mother Elvira always says about resurrection. Right. I love what she said. She said, we talk about the resurrection. But we think about the resurrection in the in the next life. That's not true. Yeah, we go from the darkness into light in this life. So every time you're going through a dark period, just bear in mind there's going to be a resurrection. Wow. And the other thing I like about the community, which you don't say, it involves the whole family. Yep. It's yeah. just not the addict. It involves yeah. the whole family on this journey. That's right. Well, look, lines are stacked here. If you're on hold, <laughs> I'm going to do my very best to get you on. Thank you for calling and thank you for your patience. Let's start in Ohio. Mary is there. She's got a comment for the both of you. Hi, Mary. Hi there. Um, I just wanted to comment and ask about, I have a loved one who has some children and um, they suffer from an addiction. My, this loved one. Um, sometimes I provide childcare for the family. Um, and it just, sometimes I just struggle with maintaining hope for their recovery and then for their children that they don't become addicted or uh, marry someone who has an addiction problem. Amen to that. Well, I mean, it's good to pray for that, but the dynamic is such that they they probably will get involved. So the the key is uh, is to know by entering into some kind of process of healing with it, then we have tools to pass on to them if they do fall into it, right? You know, so right. so I mean, you know, yeah, it's it's good to pray that it, they it may not, but chances are there's going to be at least one, maybe yeah. two, that will. But if we've worked on it in our generation, then yep. we can pass on good things to the next generation. You know, and I think it's important too that as a mother of an aunt, to get into a program like Catholics in Recovery for support, yeah, or or the Al Anon on how to handle this, and it, they give you support and steps. On how to deal with the addict. So I'm reading here, we just got an email from Pewaukee, Wisconsin. And Linda, thank you for writing. She says, my parish in Pewaukee, Wisconsin began CIR approximately a year and a half ago. It brought me closer to Christ and understanding the powerlessness of alcohol users in my life. It's an amazing program, and I highly recommend it for anyone who's addicted or a family or friend who's addi- who, of an addicted person. It also applies the most uh, to almost any situation in life and a wonderful way to increase your relationship with Jesus. It's all confidential, and they follow the guide of the 12-step program. Sounds like a winner. Where can people That's find fine. more about that, by the way, if they want to learn more about CIR? Uh just, I would assume, go to the, the, the website. The website, right? www.catholicsinrecovery.com. Sounds great. Yeah. Hey, Philip in San Antonio, Texas, thanks for waiting. Good afternoon. Yeah, my question is, uh, if you're a casual drinker, at what point do you know uh, that you have an addiction? And I'm talking about, you know, make, maybe drink a, a couple of bottles of wine over a week's period. Right. Uh, but not like three glasses at one time. Uh, but that's usually it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I remember this from a, after I uh, was finished with high school and before I started college, I worked for a year and a half in a in a rehab locally here in the Chicagoland area. And I remember listening to the lectures over and over again as at 18 and 19 years old, which helped me to figure it out too. But there there is a thing called the Jelnik chart, the J-E-L-I-N-E-K chart. And it kind of talks about the progression. You can see this comes from the 1950s or even earlier, mm-hmm. a, a progression of the disease of illness. So there's these kind of like these um, 
categories or or phases. So you can be a social drinker; doesn't seem to affect any have any problem with with over drinking. Then there's a thing called a, a heavy drinker. Um, somebody can drink, but it's not affecting their life, their marriage, their their work, their situation, their friendships. But from a heavy drinker into what they call early stage, middle stage, and late stage alcoholism, then there's different kinds of symptoms that begin to take on a life of their own. Maybe there's the beginnings of blackouts. Maybe there's uh, the beginnings of, uh, of financial insecurity. Just these kinds of these levels of things that that uh, end up defining, you know, early stage alcoholism. My general kind of rule of thumb is, is that if it's affecting your um, uh, friendships, you know, and your relationships, yeah. then, or, or this too, if drinking is causing problems, you probably have a drinking problem. Okay. So it's right. real simple like yeah. that. Yeah. Well said. Right. Phil, okay. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate it. I mean, your doctor, I had a physical recently, the doctor, how much do you drink a week? Right. It's, it's one of those questions that I guess they want to evaluate yeah. is, you know, two glasses of wine a day yeah, it, a it, problem it, or two glasses of wine a week. You know, it's not the amount that you drink. It's what it does to you. So some people can drink a lot and somewhat quote unquote handle it. Yeah, and right. others, it can be just a couple of drinks and it sends, it sends them into a, you know, a whirlwind of another world and messes yeah. up marriage family. So it's not the amount, but it's what it does to you. So there's an off air caller here too. Uh, could you address addictions to video games and cell phones? You know, we knew of one person in Chinacolo. I There's won't mention more names. Than one. Yeah, but one that I remember early on is when we first got involved. The guy was addicted to video vi games. Video games, and uh, the addiction was such that. Uh, uh, his father would cut the lines to the computer and he'd splice them all back. He, he, he'd take away wow. the, he would take away the password and he rigged up a camera in the corner of his father's office. So when he entered in the password, he could figure out what the new password was. The wow. guy, the kid was so addicted. Was brilliant. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> That's a crazy and, and story. That, that was it. And he was like 18. You know, yes. young kid. So and these programs help you too with the, the fundamental yeah. formula, right? Well, Chinacolo, yeah, it's not, you know, Mother Elvira doesn't focus so much on, right. on the specific addiction per se, but giving people a new way of life, right. you know, uh, that's, that's the thing. Uh, Mayor uh, Lynn, I'm sorry, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, thank you for your patience. Good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. I, After... 38 years, a baby boy I gave up for adoption started to contact me, and we spent the last year texting back and forth about me and my side. But I know eventually it's inevitable he'll be asking about his biological dad, and his biological dad was addicted to sex and drugs. And uh, even though excited about the baby coming, um, chose the drugs and the women over me and I just wondered when the question finally comes how do I tell him in such a way so I don't sound like I'm bashing his biological dad you know I think one thing I, I, I came across another gal who said it the way you just said it um, that he chose the alcohol over me and it's that's not true because an addict can't not choose that he has to choose it. He's not choosing it over you. He can't not choose the drink. Yeah. And so uh, I think it's helpful to to realize that. It doesn't mean that he didn't love you, um, but he couldn't get over the addiction to let a normal lifestyle develop, a normal marriage develop. See, so I think sometimes it's important to know right off the bat how to address it so that it takes 
takes the focus off yeah. uh, of, of, you know, him as not loving, but rather pointing out the fact that it's an addiction. And yeah. the only way an addiction can be alleviated or, or relieved is, uh, is to, is to arrest it, to not get near it. And we do that with the grace of God and yeah. talking with people, uh, who are, you know, Dr. Bob and Bill Wilson, uh, in, in AA, when they formed AA back in the thirties, it was this basic principle they came across that helped them to stay sober. They realized, uh, that when they went out to talk to another drunk in a hospital, that they were able to stay sober that night. So they would line up Alkies to talk to in hospitals wow. so that they didn't drink that night. So that's wow. how they kind of figured it out. As long as we're doing this, we won't, we won't drink. Okay. So that's, that's the fellowship. That's the, that's the, the, the medicine. Well, what, what a cross to have something control you, dominate you right, like right, that. Uh, right. And you know, dictate but once, how you live your life. Once it's lifted after a while, it's not that heavy of a cross. Right. I mean, you get, it, it, it's like the when freedom. you quit smoking, you yeah, know, no, when you course. quit smoking cigarettes in the beginning, it's like you, all you can think of is a pinch of a cigarette every hour or whatever, right. you know, but then after a while, yeah. after I quit smoking, you, you, there's a distance yeah. from they from it, that. and it has less of a grip on you. But yeah. it could always grip you again yeah. if you let yourself get pulled into it. You got it. Well, Father, hold the thought. Joanne, hold the thought. I'm going to take a short pause. When we come back, the final segment of the Drew Mariani Show lies ahead. We'll try to get as many calls as we can on. So if you're on hold, thank you for your patience. If you're just joining us, we're taking a look at addiction and a new program that's out that might be a real game changer for you. It's called Catholic in Recovery. More. When I return, stay with me. We go there. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is supported by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Join the nation's largest Catholic-oriented credit union and receive $200 when you add a direct deposit. Learn more at NotreDameFCU.com slash join. That's NotreDameFCU.com slash join. You're an alcoholic. I am. To many, her confession came as a surprise. 52-year-old Elizabeth Vargas appeared to have it all. A successful career, a loving husband, and two young children. But like so many women, Vargas was struggling with a serious addiction, as she explained to George Stephanopoulos. Was wine your go-to drink? Wine was my go-to drink. A lot of wine. So it's an extremely pleasurable behavior that becomes an habitual behavior that is extremely resistant to change efforts. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Well, that's news to me. I, I always wondered what happened to Elizabeth Vargas at the time, but uh, I had no idea that she struggled with with addiction, in particular wine. I mean, you see these T-shirts out there. It says it's wine time, right? Or it's mommy time, whatever. It's like there's a whole wine culture out there you know, right now. Uh, St. Monica was a lush. Oh, really? The we didn't mother of St. Augustine. Right, because she was dabbling, going down to get the cellar wine for the family meals, and she'd be kind of, kind of get lost down there. <laughs> right. That's really interesting. Hey, if you're just joining me, my guest today, Father Charlie Becker, a great priest of the uh, Diocese of Chicago. We have uh, Joanne Ronola in here with us. They've introduced me uh, to a program I want to share with you. It's new. I, I've learned about it today, um, I, and I haven't even seen the website. It's called... Catholics in Recovery. It was founded by a guy named Scott Weeman. Uh, Weeman, right? And apparently, Father, you're saying it's having phenomenal success. So you can go to their website, Catholic in Recovery, if you have somebody you love that is in the fight. All right? Of course, we'll be praying for you. John's in the Bay Area. John, thank you for calling. You're on the air with Father. Go right ahead. Thank you. 
I'm a recovering alcoholic myself. Um, uh, 40 years sobriety, um, January the 10th. Hey, praise God. I'm 40 and, years uh, this year too, Jack. Right. Good, good. <laughs> yeah, it's a great time, isn't it? Yep. Um, uh, and I have a, um, a comment about sponsorship. Um, a fellow and myself have 77 years sobriety, wow. and we, we kind of brag about that a little bit. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> It's uh, it, um, it 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 makes um, uh, he's uh, he he I met years and years ago, and I believe that sponsorship has is an excellent thing because it um, um, it, it it helps us in our recovery to uh, get yeah. through the trials of life. Yep. Um, I suspected this was going to happen in the '60s when I. Well, I started before the 60s drinking um, and then into the uh, drug scene and, and all that. But I suspected that, uh, you know, the uh, war on drugs that they uh, <laughs> said they, that was uh, happening back then sure. um, would, uh, you know, would prove to be ineffective. And it um, and it was. And um, where we're at today is just um, yeah. un, um, unreal. Uh and having lived it out over these years, having had uh, some experience here. Well, John, thanks for calling and for, for, for sharing. Uh, congratulations to both you and to Father for 40 years of sobriety. That's that's he's, fantastic. He's got a day at a time, right? Yeah, amen to that. <laughs> I, we have only a little bit of time, so I'm going to move along here because we want to get as many people as we can and respect your time. John in Chicago, good afternoon. Hello, Drew. Thank you. Uh, it's John uh, Donnelly and... Uh, I went to Medjugorje with uh, Father Becker and Joanne 30 years ago, and uh, it was a fabulous trip, and I saw so much that went on there that was miraculous. And I know I was told at the time, please don't go over there. There's a war. Milosevic's is there, and they're bombing everything around there. Yeah. But our blessed mother said, you come over here for me, and I'll, I'll take care of the issues that people have. And it really worked out well. But my travel took me around the world for work. And I went to Poland, to Krakow, mm -hmm. and I went to the convent where uh, St. Faustina was and the image of the Divine Mercy was painted. And when I was talking to one of the uh, Sisters of Mercy, she said, you know, we have uh, an addiction center here also with us. Wow. And everyone that comes in there is 100% cured. And I said, wow, is that, oh, that, that is amazing. That's wonderful. And uh, so my only thought was I didn't ask her all the stuff that they did. But the one thing, Drew, that you do every day that we know with the Divine Mercy is the chaplet of Divine Mercy and yeah. do something, you know, kind or merciful for somebody else. Yeah. So I was going to suggest to Father Becker, in addition to everything that he does at St. John Vianney, why not just take a, a moment during what they're doing and say the chaplet of Divine Mercy and persist. It's like the women in the gospel. They never gave up. They're going to touch our Lord's cloak or they're going to go see the judge. Amen. They persisted to the end because what other option do we have? John, I love that. Father, your thoughts. Yeah, well, that's very good, John. Thank you for the recommendation. Yeah, great. Good to have you, John. Thanks for calling. Hawthorne, California. Emma, thanks for your patience. Good afternoon. <clears throat> oh, hi. Um, my husband's been an alcoholic for most of our marriage and things really came to a head at Christmas time and he spent a week in hospital. 
he's now going through uh, physical rehab because he couldn't walk properly and everything. He hasn't drunk since then, but any recommendations of what to do for him once his physical recovery? Well, I mean, again, you know, I, I remember my father once saying to somebody who was sponsoring at the time, he says, you know, I could save you $50,000 from a rehab. He says, if you just go to meetings, you know, the, the medicine is don't drink and go to meetings. I mean, so, you know, your husband there needs to do just that. He needs to follow up and get the support he needs from other uh, fellow people who struggle with this and call on God for help. First of all, you know, God's the first thing, you know, ask God for help for the grace to get to a meeting. How critical is prayer in all this though? And the sacraments? Absolutely. Absolutely. Have you seen a marked change when people incorporate faith and prayer? Definitely. In the sacraments? Definitely. I don't even think they can do it without it. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it's got to be part of the conversation. Right, 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 right. right. Uh, Kira is in Elkhart, Indiana, near South Bend. Hi, Kira. Yes, hello. Um, Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to say I appreciate what you guys are doing so much. I have six years sober. um, Good. And anytime I can hear the message being carried, I greatly appreciate it. You know, I I just recently, within the last year, started changing from a higher power to the biblical God and reading the Bible more. Um, And tonight's actually the night I don't go to a meeting, and here I am flipping through the radio station. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that great? (laughs) It is. You know, God's grace, and it shows up everywhere. And just thank you for helping other alcoholics and the family and friends of. Yeah, so check out that Catholic in Recovery, because they Zoom meetings too. So, you know, if they're, they're just slowly beginning to... To kind of develop all throughout the country, but in the meantime, there's a Zoom. That's a great idea. So yeah. and I, I should really underline that. You know, a lot of people think I got to go present, be present in the meeting, but thanks to that technology today, you can yeah. sit at home and, and get the right. support that you need. Sure, right at any time, day or night. And, and having somebody to support you through the process really is critical too. It's like the, the guy I was talking to, to you about who had pornography addiction. Yeah. He, he, there's, there's a certain accountability, or when you're down, or when you're tempted. Right. To have somebody there say, hey, it hang on. Does. And that's what that fellow was saying in right. San Francisco, yeah. right? To have a sponsor. Right. You, so you need to keep somebody keep Well, in the program, they say you have stinking yeah. thinking. And the only way you can overcome that is by going to meetings and having a sponsor. Because yeah. yeah. that will bleed through your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Uh, Mary's in McAllen, Texas. Hi, Mary. Hi, yes. I wanted to comment on how sometimes doctors even create some of this addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister-in-law... Uh, was addicted to benzodiazepines. Um, She suffered through a moment of insomnia and then just got stuck there and we couldn't even help her. She ended up at the mental health hospital Mm. just so that they could help her deal with the insomnia that she was having. And then I have another friend who suffered through some postpartum and was put on an antidepressant and became manic had a reaction yeah. and now has to be on a benzodiazepine for the rest of their life. Yeah, you've got to be really careful with you these know, benzos. And Father, yeah. I have less than a minute, so I'm going to give yeah. you these final seconds. And I think it's I think it's important, too, to, you know, when it comes to counselors or doctors, you know, that you pray to God first. God, help me to find the person who's going to help me the best. Because not all doctors and counselors know about addiction, you know. So you want an addictions counselor and a doctor who knows about addictions. My thanks to you, Father Charlie, Joanne. If you need help, maybe it's God's providence you're hearing my voice today, check out Catholics in Recovery. The website yep. is catholicsinrecovery.com. And our, our group meetings on there too. Show I think up it's on just Saturday. Catholic. 
a Catholic in recovery. Thanks.